Looking back at the best of Saturday's racing from around the country and examining the big talking points of the day, this is Pass the Post. Good morning and welcome to Pass the Post for this Sunday morning, the 27th of September. And what a day's racing yesterday to look back at Ole Kirk taking out the Golden Rose, Russian Camelot, the Underwood Stakes and Jaden Tom the Weepwood, the three features that we will be talking about this morning as we roll into the show with a cavalcade of stars joining us this morning. And we'll also uh, bring you up to date with the latest news on what happened with Rothfire in the Golden Rose yesterday. As always, Nathan Exelby is here from the Courier Mail and Sunday Mail to help us out on Pass the Post on this Sunday morning. Good morning, Nathan. Yeah, good morning, Tony. Morning, listeners. Yeah, terrific day up there at Toowoomba yesterday. Uh, great story in the Wheatwood, um, but not the result the Queensland race fans were hoping for with uh, the Golden Rose yesterday. No, we'll get an update from Rob Heathcote very soon, but straight into it this morning, and this is what happened in the Golden Rose yesterday at Rose Hill Gardens. Rothfire tried to get a breather approaching the bend, a length clear from Yardstick under plenty of pressure. Mamarigan third, followed by Sylvester Peltzer coming off the fence from Global Quest, and Ole Kirk looking for the gaps. Rothfire held together at the 3.50. Now Byrne gives him a rev up, and he raced two and a half lengths. Clear from American, then Peltzer, Ole Kirk, and North Pacific down the outside. Rothfire lead to the 175. Here they come. Ole Kirk and North Pacific the outside. Ole Kirk, North Pacific, stride for stride. Ole Kirk, North Pacific, bob of the heads. Ole Kirk. Ole Kirk just won the Golden Rose from North Pacific. I think King's Legacy ran home into third, followed by Rothfire. Well, American really made him work early. Then came Peltzer from Global. Quest Sylvestra and Yardstick was last to finish. Ole Kirk and North Pacific with the Quinella for the Hawks stable ahead of King's Legacy and uh, Nathan, the uh, the Queensland star Rothfire into fourth. Yeah, that's right. As you, as you said, there was an injury that flared after after the race, but to all honours with Team Hawks, wasn't it? Uh, they had their two very valuable Colts, uh, spot on for that Group 1 assignment. And we're uh, thrilled this morning that uh, Michael Hawks can uh, take the time out to join us because he's a man in demand this morning. <laughs> And, Nathan, we've been very kind to him and haven't rung him too early on his birthday, unlike our cohorts on the Big Sports Breakfast this morning. They rang nice and early just to get him out of bed. Good morning, Michael, and happy birthday. Thanks, boys. How you going? Yeah, good, thanks. Thanks so much for, for joining us, Michael. It must be a good feeling when you're watching a, a big race like that and the two stablemates clear out to fight it out. Yeah, it is, Nathan. Like, it's, uh, it's, it's a day that, obviously, you know, it's a million-dollar Group 1 race and... We try and have our, our colts and horses peak on the right day for the right races. And yesterday, it was just a fantastic effort from both of them, really. Um, obviously, Ole Kirk being the, the victor. But, you know, take no uh, nothing away from North Pacific. He run an outstanding race as well. But to see them sort of come down the outside, head and head, uh, head up, head down, um, it, it does give you a great satisfaction. It was a big thrill. Try not to go over ground because we, we heard your interview with, with Ray and Dean a short time ago. But Ole Kirk, from yep. the, the family of Black Caviar and obviously All Too Hard, which you guys had so much success with, his you kicked him off, correct me if I'm wrong, but he kicked off his career in the same race as All Too Hard, didn't he, down the straight there at Flemington? Yeah, he did. Um, he kicked it off there. And, um, you know, it's amazing how things happen and things pan out. And look, what we try and do, obviously, you know, happening now with our, our younger horses, you, you try and separate them when you can early days um you know i know wayne's got some lovely horses in melbourne uh, from a two-year-old point of view and i have here in sydney and uh, we're lucky enough to still have those two states that we're able to do that and that's hopefully just trying to get the best out of them and look they end up meeting summer along the path but 
you know, it's uh, amazing how things happen, especially his family. Like, if you actually go back and look at the second dam, it's uh, it's yeah. pretty phenomenal having Black Caviar and All Too Hard sitting on the page there. So, obviously, his win yesterday has just elevated him uh, to another level, and he's worth a lot, a lot of money now. And uh, But, look, that doesn't detract from what we do. You know, we just try and have these colts right for the right day and for the right races, and that's what we do. We love making colts. We'll continue to do so. Uh, even though they, you know, I, I suppose the points got to be raised. Obviously, they're both the highest price yearlings in Melbourne, Victoria Sale at Inglis and North Pacific was 800 and Ole was 675. So to have the sort of top two cults, you know, battling out in a race like the Golden Rose is uh, it's great for, for the, you know, for the business and the sport because like Neil Wirt was at my place last night and we were talking about it because, you know, without the owners, you know, forking the money out to, to buy these horses, um, you know, you don't. We're not racing sort of for where we're at today. So, you know, unfortunately, I think the owners get missed a little bit in time um, because they do fork out this amount of money. But as you saw yesterday with the two Colts and our boys, it was uh, it was a dream come true. Michael, as you say, it's your job uh, from the stables' point of view to get out there and win big races like that, with a little bit of a sideline of of giving a little bit of focus, I guess, to the future. And we talk about stallion making races. It's incredible to be talking about that when. That was only start number five for North Pacific and start number seven for Ole Kirk. Yeah, it is. But, you know, overseas in Europe, they do it a bit different. Like, they'll have three starts for three wins and then just retire straight away. So, yeah. um, you know, from a, from a stallion, you know, point of view, um, you know, Ole Kirk could be uh, retired tomorrow if the owners wanted to do that and if they chose to. But, um, you know, I know he's sort of on a... Before yesterday, he was sort of headed towards the Caulfield Guineas, which at this stage um, is, is very possible but then again you know, where it does own a, an ever slot and who knows and you know we've discussed this in the past and we just wanted to get a group one out of the way and now we've done that he's a very valuable commodity so with these sort of cults you know and north pacific for that matter um you've got to run them less than more and that's just something that unfortunately we don't see a lot of um lately obviously with our cults sort of heading to stud but it's probably based on a bit like a bit European model, whereas they're not motor cars. You can't keep running and running and running because it does detract their value. So, you know, these cults, you've got to place them right, and that's what we try and do on the on the big dance, and we did yesterday, and hopefully, you know, it's onwards and upwards. But in the saying that, they're only babies. They're only three-year-olds, and sometimes they're probably a bit too young to go to stud sometimes. So, um, But we do see it time and time again now that these cults do head off to stud uh, pretty early. But it's really for that reason that they're trying to keep the value on them. Rothfire was a dominant favourite in the race yesterday, Michael, heavily backed to start a dollar fifty-five. From from a competitor's point of view, how do you guys yep. go to the races there yesterday? What are your thinking and, and expectations of your two horses going up against a, a boom horse like that? Well, on the reverse, like now pulling up today and the horse pulling up a bit sore, it's actually disappointing, you know, yeah. when you're another trainer seeing a horse like that um, because he's an outstanding horse and he showed that in Queensland. He had to bring his form down to Sydney. I know they go on about Melbourne and Sydney horses and we don't usually see a lot of Queenslanders come down and, and when we do, they don't fire. Uh, Rothfire did fire first up. It was an unbelievable run. Uh, his win was outstanding and... Obviously, going into yesterday's race, he was the horse to beat, and uh, he was dominant first up. But then again, we probably had our two blokes in a race that it, it wasn't run to suit, number one. And then when you look at it, the rails out, uh, six metres, you know, 1,200 metres, 
Um, you know, North Pacific was dropping back from 13 to 12. Um, he was always going to be better at 14, as is Ole Kirk, because, you know, his best distance is 14 to a mile, and we've seen that previously. So going into the race yesterday, we were quietly confident with both our horses, and, you, you know, you've got to take it as it is with a, with a favourite like that, but it's disappointing when that happens, and when he shot clear, I could see our two boys winding up. It was just a matter of, I suppose, halfway up the straight, as a trainer, you're looking at it going, you know, we've spent no gas, we've been out the back, there's been genuine speed. Are they good enough to run the, the leaders down? Um, whereas the 1400 was a totally different complexion to, say, the 1200 the start before. So, you know, you've got to take every race on its merits and, and tempo is the biggest key to any race. doesn't matter if it's 1,000 metres or 2,400 or 3,200 for that matter. Everything has to pan out the right way and, uh, you've got to give Ross by respect. He's a, he's a great horse and still is. Unfortunately, he's pulled pulled up sore, but uh, I'm sure he'll bounce back. But from our blokes' credit, you've got to say they're in the right race and the right time and they keep at the right spot. Um, Michael, sad passing last week of, of Bob Ingham. Just like to get comment from yourself because obviously your family had, had so much to do with the Ingham family over the years. Yeah, it was. Um, I was in Queensland, obviously up there with, with you boys and um, a lot of Queensland people uh, I've become friends with. And I was there for 12 years uh, running the operation up there at Tenor Lodge when we had it uh, as, a, as a part of or an arm uh, with the Ingham division, obviously with Melbourne, Adelaide and Sydney going at once when Dad was the head trainer. So, look, we had a lot of great years. Um, you know, my memories are in Queensland, you know, Cornella and Stradbrokes with, you know, Crawl and hire, and um, you know Freemasons winning, and, and a lot of horses uh, come through up there. And um, you know Guinea started up there before my time in Queensland, and came back and won a Golden Slipper. So the family, you know, early days when we were at the helm, or Dad was at the helm of, of Crown Lodge, was was unbelievable. And you know, then throw a bloke like Darren Beeman in the mix, um, it was just a force to be reckoned with. And you know, to have you know two champions in octagonal, and then have a son that was a champion himself, you don't see that. Well, you haven't seen that really this, this day and age in the modern era. And, mm. uh, it was just a phenomenal ride. Like it was just, honestly, it's these days are not like that anymore. Those days are gone and um, it's a lot harder, obviously, out there now. But back in the day when uh, they were successful, it was just, you know, dominant, domination after domination. And, uh, you know, it's uh, we've gone a lot smaller now and... Um, but look, it's a part of our career that, obviously, a dad's career as well, that it's where it all started from. And um, you know, I know when Jack passed away, it was uh, it was the same feeling. And now Bob has too. It's a legacy that uh, it'll never, ever be forgotten, that's for sure. I think it's really something that we look back at now, uh, Michael, and you, you realise how different Australian racing would have been through the, the 90s and the 2000s without the involvement of Jack and Bob. Oh, it's phenomenal. You know, like we have these big players from overseas come in and, um, you know, such as Godolphin and, and Qatar and, and those sort of things, which is fantastic from our point of view. But you only have to look back for the, I think Dad was at Crown Lodge for, I think it was 18 or 20 years uh, at the helm there. And it was just phenomenal. Like the horses that reeled off and the races they won. And it just, it was an amazing ride. And you go back and look at that and, um, it is a phenomenal era and unfortunately we won't ever see that again um, to that degree I don't think and uh, you know you can't forget where you've come from and, and your ground roots and it was part of our life and truth you know I do see the, the Cerise every now and again and, and you do look at it and wonder back and it actually does reflect for me the horses that I've had something to do with and um, it's just one of those fantastic eras but we've all got to grow up and we have and 
unfortunately that's life and but it's been a it's been a great ride. Nathan, I remember uh, working with the great Wayne Wilson out of the track at one stage. He was learning colours and, you know, to be Cerise with a Cerise cap, Cerise with a black cap, black with a Cerise cap, black with a white star, you know, this, that and the other. And I, I still remember, Michael, Wayne interviewing your dad one day around the time when Guineas was winning Group 1s and uh, and Dad in Dad's style said something along the lines of, ah, oh, yeah, he's pretty good, but I've got another six at home better than him. <laughs> it's quite amazing. I think one year in the slipper we had, I think it might have been six or seven runners. I can't remember what year it was back then and, um, you like they're just there was colours. There's even a white and green set. I think from memory right. going yeah. back, like it's just there's white and green, there's black and yellow, there's there's all these colours, and uh, you know it was just uh, a phenomenal um, uh, sort of where it was just unbelievable to to think that they could have so many colours and and so many horses. But back in the day, like they were breeding 350. You know, Monroe's number 344 on yeah. his uh, yeah. on his shoulder. So. It just goes to show back then, you know, what they were doing and how successful. And it all started with chickens. And obviously, you know, they had a trainer before and Vic Thompson who was successful. But then Dad sort of got there and it just went to another level. And obviously it's continued on. So it's uh, it's been a, a massive legacy and uh, something that you won't ever forget. But I do... I do miss those colours um, going down the pecking order. And I, I had them in Queensland a few times, whether it be a Stradbroke or a, a Derby or a, whatever it was, a Castle Main back in the day. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it, it was. It does, you do reminisce and you can keep going on and on about it, but it's just a lot of good horses came out of that system. And, and that's what we've tried to emulate. You know, our system hasn't changed. Um, we love making colts and horses in general, being racehorses for that matter. So. It's just something that we've continued on with our systems, and that's hopefully and why we are so so you know dominant. Sort of as you saw yesterday, it being a grand final, having these horses peak at the right time. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. I know it's been a busy morning where everyone wants a piece of the Michael Hawks, but we'll leave you to the family for your birthday today. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your time. Michael Hawks with us after the uh, stable Quinella there yesterday in the Golden Rose. Well, Nathan, I guess uh, while we talk about the winners and celebrate those, we often have to look back at the uh, the vanquished and the beaten brigade. And as we said this morning, the news not that flash about Rothfire. Yeah, it's it, it's it's not. So we'll get Rob Heathcote shortly for for an update on that. Um, but yeah, it was it was a shame because they planned such a great day out there at Eagle Farm yesterday. The owners were there with their family and friends, and it wasn't anti climax, but but that is racing. Rob's with us now on Past the Post. Good morning, Rob. Yeah, good morning, guys. And yeah, it was good listening to Michael. And we've got to give them nothing but congratulations, Team Hawks. They're a wonderfully professional operation, and they get the job done year in year out. And they presented their two colts there yesterday, outstanding order, and they got the job done. So well done, Rob. Um, You've had an update this morning on Rothfire's condition and the news is not good? No, it's not good. I went to bed last night expecting the worst and uh, my fears were realised this morning with you know, a photograph from Melanie. First thing she walked in the stable, there was significant swelling on the lateral side of his fetlock joint before and uh, that's not a good sign. And then we've since had the Randwick vaccine in and uh, they've taken x-rays and yes, there is a what's called an apical fracture to his sesamoid bone. There's a detached fragment that's going to need surgical intervention to uh, take it out. So, yeah, he's going to... He will not only need surgery, but a very, very lengthy convalescent period in 9 to 12 months, I would imagine. And there is some chance. I mean, it's still early days. The full extent of the damage, I, I, I imagine the surgeons will know that once they... once they have him on the table. But, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, the highs and lows of racing. We've had a wonderful... 
journey for a short period of time and it all comes crashing down in one day. One misstep, that's all it took. That's all it takes, isn't it? And you talk about the highs and lows of racing, the the roller coaster of the emotions from one start to the next. Yeah, that's it, Tony. And, you know, as I said, there's no rhyme or reason why these things happen. I mean, horse was perfectly sound going into the race and, you know, he was there to extend. He'd already, you know, put a margin on the field and he faltered at the 200 and no doubt that's where the fracture occurred and you know full, full full credit to the horse his courage to still drive into the line you know for a good horse in a good one race so uh, I'm sad but you know and it wasn't very much an anti-climax to be I think it was fantastic they put on a wonderful show for all of them Jay, yesterday and all the Queensland's got behind the horse but all we can hope for now is uh, successful and a, a speedy recovery. Yeah, Rob, we do appreciate your time this morning. I know it's a, a tough morning for you, and um, thanks for giving us that update. And you know, all of all of his fans, Rothfire, obviously, you now just got their fingers crossed. He can make a full recovery, and that we will see him back at the races. But um, thanks so much for updating it this this morning. Oh, look, and let me thank everyone out there. I mean, ninety nine percent of people who send texts and emails and well wishes, and you know, we're a family. Racing's a family, and you know, you're always going to get a bad, a few bad eggs in the basket, but. You know, thank those people for the wonderful emails who've done their money. Believe me, it wasn't for want of trying, but that's racing, you know, the highs and lows of it all. But thanks to everyone who got behind it. Good on you, Rob. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks, Ralph. Talking about doing your money, Nathan, how about this story, a hard luck story that came out through uh, the, the Tab Boys last night? Uh, one punter had a $9,500 multi. He had Love Tap in the gloaming in Sydney. Rothfire in the Golden Rose, instant celebrity in the Thousand Guineas Prelude, Russian Camelot in the Underwood. Three, out of, three out of four home at odds of $13.78 stood to win $130,000. All I can say is at least Rothfire wasn't the last leg. Yeah, he, he was out in the second <laughs> leg, but then you would have to sit there and yeah, cry yes. into your beer with the other two. But yeah, hard luck stories. There's plenty of them in racing, that's for sure. Absolutely. We'll leave Sydney for the moment and focus on Melbourne with Group 1 action there yesterday as well with the Underwood Stakes. Now Trap for Fools is going to try and seal it up. Led three quarters of a length to Russian Camelot, who's nice and close. Arcadia Queen behind them from Galo Shop, Sosie Bon, a gap humidor, the chosen one. Trap for Fools left the fence. Russian Camelot brought towards the middle of the track and he's hit the front. Arcadia Queen back to the inside their worlds apart then Humidor approaching the 200 Russian Camelot shook up by Oliver Arcadia Queen is going with him Russian Camelot led by three quarters Arcadia Queen Humidor Galo Shop but Russian Camelot's coming clear he could be anything he's class Russian Camelot won at two legs Humidor third Arcadia Queen from Galo Shop Trap for Fools Harbour Views Mr Quickie the chosen one and last in the Underwood was Sosibon Russian Camelot winning for Damien Oliver and Danny O'Brien. And, Nathan, we're thrilled to have Damien Oliver with us this morning on Pass the Post. Welcome along, Dave, uh, to Damien. Morning, guys. Damien, I know you're on the wing this morning. On to, I think you're on television at 9, 9.30, but 120th Group 1 victory yesterday. Congratulations for that. Does it seem like that many? Um, well, when you look back, it's, a, it's been over a long time, but it's um, it seems to have gone pretty quick. So, yeah, I'm still enjoying it, and... Um, you know, still pretty happy to be still riding good horses and, and big winners at a high level. With that number of big race winners under the belt, you're well equipped to judge where a horse is at. Huge boom on Russian Camelot. Where do you see him sitting in the scheme of things at the moment? Yeah, obviously, it's only his eighth start and he's still a very young horse, but to, to be winning group one-weight for age races at, um, 
at, at such an early time in his career. I think he's got a, a good future ahead of him, um, but he's, he's still, you know, an improving horse. Um, but, um, you know, he's, he's got an exceptional talent there and, and hopefully he can keep continuing doing it for us. His favourite for both the Cox Plate and Melbourne Cup. In your mind, is there either of those that is a better fit for him? Um, I just think probably distance-wise, probably the Caulfield, uh, sorry, the Cox Plate is um, is is more suitable at this stage. Um, but that's not to say that the Melbourne Cup is beyond him either. But um, yeah, that would be my leaning at this stage. Okay, okay. Um, you rode him on debut last year at Ballarat and then again at Flemington in Cup Week. Has it surprised you where he's got to in less than 12 months? Um, yes and no. Um, I think when you look at the European three-year-olds that have pretty much dominated the Melbourne Cup in, in recent times, um, when you do get one of these European-bred um, stayers or three-year-olds that um, are very good, it, it shows you what they're capable of. Um, so, yeah, he's... Um, He's probably he's doing what what a lot of colonial or, or domestically bred horses probably don't do, but uh, they the European sort of staying bred horses just have that seem to have that little bit more strength and and scope about them, which is he which he is one of. Damon, the jockeys often say after a race, I rode him mm-hmm. like he was the best horse in the race, and that seemed to be the the, the case for you there yesterday. But at what point of the uh, the Underwood did you have the confidence that yeah, look at this, we're homeboy. Um, yeah, once we settled into a good rhythm mid-race, I thought I'm, I'm going to take some beating from here. Um, but, you know, he was racing some good horses. I knew Arcadia Queen was going to be right there. And, um, and of course, um, old Humidor, was, he's, he's back in great form as well. So, you know, they, they were coming at him. But, um, you know, he, he had a nice run and he was able to hold them off um, well enough there yesterday. What's coming up for you in the spring? Uh, what's uh, already locked in for D Oliver? Russian Camelot. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else you can let let slip to our putters to be able to follow at the moment? Um, yeah, look, I'm trying to think ahead. Uh, I'll ride Vow into Claire next week in the Turnbull Stakes. Um, and I've got a nice filly who's only won a maiden, but she runs next Saturday in the Manifold Stakes called Miss Guggenheim as well. Um, so they're two that I can think of uh, at the top of my head for, for next weekend anyway. Well, thank you for those, considering we put you on the spot. We know you've got plenty of media commitments this morning. Really appreciate you joining us this morning on the show. Thanks, guys. Damon Oliver with us there this morning after Russian Camelot was able to take out the uh, the Underwood yesterday. And as uh, you mentioned, Nathan, now into favouritism for the Cox Plate, 450 into 350 favourite off the back of the Underwood there yesterday. The uh, latest Cox Plate market has Russian Camelot at the head of betting at 350 and sitting there pretty much all by himself with uh, Sir Dragonette. Or was it Dragon A? <laughs> I'll leave it to you. Thank you. At $11. Armory at $13. Arcadia Queen at $17. And, and others quoted $17 or better. And Melbourne Cup market uh, has also been given a little bit of a shake-up. As you said, now into uh, equal favouritism there with Surprise Baby at uh, $8 each of two. Russian Camelot and Surprise Baby. And then Tiger Moth out at $13. Ash Run and Santiago at $17. So... These races are starting to shape up uh, some very important ones as we roll through the spring. Yeah, well, this time last year, the Melbourne Cup winner hadn't even resumed Van de Clare. He resumed in the Turnbull Stakes, which we'll see run this Saturday. All right, we'll come back in a moment with more of Pass the Post on this Sunday morning here on Radio Tab. 
Hi, this is Ben Kandorowski from Newcastle Jets for RAD, recording artists, actors and athletes against drink driving. Here's a simple word of advice. If you enjoy your drink when you go out, then keep it simple. After all, unless you're a rocket scientist, how do you really know whether you're under or over the limit? So try this, either drink or drive. Don't mess around trying to do both. That way, you'll make the road a safer place for all of us. RAD, R-A-D-D.org.au. Brisbane Post and Beams have been looking after tradies in the public for over 20 years. Specialising in the domestic building and renovating market and with a huge variety of stock, our experienced and dedicated staff are here to help. Steel posts, beams, mesh and steel, cut to size and much more. Time to replace those old stairs? This month get 5% off stair stringer kits. For fast, efficient and economical products and quality without compromise, call Brisbane Posts and Beams, 1300 4 posts or visit brisposts.com. Past the Post on Radio Tab. Thanks for joining us on Past the Post this morning. Still to come, we'll be chatting about their big Wheatwood meeting yesterday at Toowoomba. But Nathan, we've spoken to the jockey. Let's have a chat to the trainer this morning after Russian Camelot uh, took out the Underwood yesterday in Melbourne. Yeah, Danny O'Brien joins us this morning. Good morning, Danny. Morning, Nathan. I'm, I'm curious, Danny... I'm thinking back to Melbourne Cup week last year. You won the Wakeful, you won the Melbourne Cup, and you won the Oaks. At that time, did you think it was a horse that was beaten in a listed race that would be the, the best of, perhaps the best of all of them? Yeah, I think a lot of people did. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, were, we were not um, on our own to, to realise that the potential of Russian Camelot was unlimited you know, to do what he did last spring uh, as a two-year-old, you know, Northern Hemisphere two-year-old to, to win that race so well at Ballarat and then come to the Carnival. For any horse, second up into a listed race at Flemington Melbourne Cup Week's tough, but he was he was only a two-year-old taking on the three-year-old Australian horses. So, um, yeah, the signs were always there from an early age. And then the autumn didn't necessarily go according to plan either. You, you missed a lead-up run, I think, when he was scratched at the barriers one day, yet you were still able to get him to win the, the derby in South Australia. Yeah, well, that, that was his autumn. Yeah. It was all about the South Australian derby, uh, how we got there. Um, yeah, wasn't plan A, but it, it, we we got there on the day, very happy with how he presented that day, uh, and you know he duly produced for us. Have you been surprised at the amount of hype around this horse? It's it's been quite extraordinary, sort of since that Derby win in, in South Australia, and you know, the markets tell you how how highly regarded he is. Yeah, look, it's it's different, um, you know, certainly for a horse who'd only had so few starts and, and as you say, generally a South Australian derby winner doesn't get people super excited about a Melbourne spring. But, uh, yeah, it's been really nice. Everyone has, uh, has uh, who's had an opinion of the horse that that, um, that they've had such a high one and, and you know, we're really pleased he's start, he's, um, he's, he's just starting to catch up to his reputation. <laughs> um, as we mentioned before, his favourite for both the Cox Plate and Melbourne Cup, would it be the intention to go to both at this stage or just wait and see what happens in a Cox Plate? Oh, look, our big goal for the spring is the Cox Plate. You know, he's an entire and if he could win a Cox Plate, he's got a really good profile to have a good stud career. So uh, the Cox Plate is what we're focused on for, for the short term. Um, having said all that, the best way probably to produce him for the Melbourne Cup is through the Cox Plate. So um, you know, it's not going to do his Melbourne Cup chances any harm going through the Cox Plate. Uh, but a final decision won't be made until after he runs in the Cox Plate. 
It, it will be a task in the Melbourne Cup. One, we saw Cross Counter win with 51 kilos, Rekindling win with 51 and a half, and Il Paradiso unlucky last year with 52 and a half. So this horse is the same age and has been given 53 and a half in the Melbourne Cup. He'll have to set a record. Um, you know, no Northern Hemisphere three-year-old has, has been able to win the Cup with that weight. I don't think any Northern Hemisphere three-year-old has ever, ever run in the Cup with that weight. As you said, they've generally been between 51 and 52. So, um, yeah, it, it, it will be... Yeah, he's, he's certainly one of the worst handicapped horses in the race, but uh, it doesn't mean he can't win it. Um, you know, if he came out of the Cox Plate as the Cox Plate winner, um, you know, he'd certainly have to be a really good chance in the race. He's not the only horse that's you've got that's a potential Melbourne Cup candidate. Saracen Knight yesterday really sprouted wings late. Uh, he's a nominated horse for the Melbourne Cup. Where do you see him getting to? He'll go back to Caulfield, Caulfield Cup Week on the Wednesday. Uh, there's a 2,400-metre restricted race that day uh, when I think he should improve again out in distance. Uh, and we'll we'll have a look after that. You know, he could potentially run in a Bendigo Cup or, or maybe a Lexus, but uh, you know, he needs to win again in restricted grade before before we get too yep. excited about the next level. Vow and Declare, will he go around in the Turnbull again? Yes, we'll have Vow and Declare and King of Lear Grants next Saturday in the Turnbull. Okay. So King of Lagrance gets similar prep to Vow and Declare last year, first up in, in the Turnbull? Yes, yeah, he'll just have the two runs before the Melbourne Cup, um, similar to what we did with him in the autumn. He went into the Adelaide Cup off a two-run prep, and uh, yeah, that certainly worked with him then. Another one you've got is Order of the Garter? Came through his win in the naturalism in really good shape. He'll run one more time before the Caulfield Cup, and that'll be in the Herbert Power uh, seven days out. Okay, so so there's a few few strings to your bow this spring. Yeah, we're we're really you know fortunate to have some top line, middle distance, and, and staying horses, and you know they seem to have all come up in good shape. We're going to learn a lot more about Vow and King of Valier Grants next Saturday in the Turmoil, and um, fortunately we've already done a bit with Order of the Garter and Russian Camelot, and, and they've done everything we could ask. Well, do appreciate your time this morning, Danny, off the back of that, that win yesterday. Thanks for joining us and, and good luck with him going towards the Cox Plate and all those other horses towards Cup Week. No problem, guys. Danny O'Brien with us this morning on Past the Post after that uh, emphatic victory in the Underwood yesterday for Russian Camelot. Uh, you talk about a, yeah, a glut of riches heading into some of these big races in the spring for the O'Brien stable. Yeah, well, he's obviously training a few for, for Lloyd Williams now as well with, with mm. Macedon Lodge not in operation. And Saracen Knight carried those colours yesterday. He was only, I think, second up after a two-year break, that horse. And Order of the Garter was... Uh, you know, he's qualified for the Caulfield Cup now, so... Um, he's in good shape, and it'd be great to see Vow and Declare you know, return to to form as well. Like once he gets to two thousand next Saturday, that will tell us where he's at. It's quite amazing to look at the boom that is on a horse like this. But as Danny explained, there these Northern Hemisphere sort of uh, uh, style of ones. We were only talking that was start number seven yesterday. Yeah, quite yeah, incredible. Right. It is, and um, but what about the market move? Like I think he opened the week around the two dollar mark, and SP's at one dollar fifty five. It was a uh, viewed as a put-in, take-out job. Very Although, the fluctuations did mirror, I think, the, the Rothfire fluctuations in, in, in the Golden Rose. He started the week 
around about that same mark and SP that same price, but unfortunately mm. different result. Yeah, different, very, very different result there. Uh, one of the other features yesterday in Melbourne was the 1,000 uh, guineas prelude. Night raid in the straight at the 300 metres leading personal. Mozzie Monster up on the fence. Instant Celebrity down the outside, followed by Love Sensation. Night raid at the 200, but Instant Celebrity moves up. Under hands and heels, takes the lead from Night Raid Personal. Love Sensation, Instant Celebrity in front, holding them off, and Instant Celebrity won it well. Second close personal will get that from a wall of them. Love sensation. Rock my wand. Equimenical has run a big race and night raid not beaten far from those. A gap in the field. Mozzie Monster in company then with Wellback Yosemite, Anavisto, Jenny's Rainbow and River Knight. Instant celebrity for Craig Williams and Philip Stokes beating personal and Rock My Wand in yesterday's Thousand Guineas Prelude. No surprises, Nathan. Instant celebrity. Uh, $3 favourite for the 1,000 guineas now. Uh, she's just a little ripper, isn't she? She carried the hopes of a nation when she won first up there at um, Morfittville back on the September 12 in the last race of the day and, and landed the prize and kept the unbeaten record intact. She's beautifully bred celebrity girl herself. I think um, she did run in a 1,000 guineas. She was beaten in it, but she was a pretty handy one herself. Been a couple of big moves from what the Tab Boys tell us. Love Sensation uh, running fifth there and Rock My Wand running third have uh, firmed in uh, the early all-in markets from 101 to $21 each at this and stage. The uh, manifold this Saturday that Damien Oliver referred to, that will have a big bearing on the 1,000 guineas market. For the Caulfield guineas, we see Moanga $5 favourite since uh, Chris Waller announced through the week that he wouldn't be going to the Spring Champion Stakes, straight to the Caulfield guineas, so he's the favourite there. Ole Kirk, $6, but as Michael Hawkes outlined this morning, we'll just have to see whether you know, there's that slight possibility... Seems to me the preference will be the Caulfield Guineas, but slight possibility that uh, they look at the Everest for him. Just uh, on that too, the uh, the Everest, I suppose, now has been shaken up a, a little bit uh, where we started to think that we were getting things locked mm. into place. And and this is, I guess, always the, the problem that is going to happen when something like that comes along. Our tab Everest market still sees uh, the, the tab entrant nature strip at the top of betting at $3.50, classic legend at $5, Guitra. At $6, then out to Bivouac at 11 Behemoth, uh, now in after we spoke uh, last Sunday, uh, at $13. And is at 15 Farnan at $15, North Pacific, and uh, Ole Kirk are each at $15. So that's going to be ever-changing. Still uh, a few slots to be sil- filled, isn't there? Yeah. And my runners back to, back to square one. Yeah, and, and sometimes, I guess, you know, we talk about the highs and lows of racing, and you think you've got everything mapped out. You know, from that sort of point of view, that's just a whole new ball game when it comes to things like slot holders, isn't it? Can chase very, things change very quickly, absolutely. Along with all of the Group 1 action that was happening in both Sydney and Melbourne yesterday, the focus in uh, Queensland was at Toowoomba for the Artie Setter Toowoomba Wheatwood. In the Wheatwood 2020, and Master Jamie really serving it to the Odyssey, and also Fiery Heights still there on the outside. Mr. Marbaloo's the rail. Boom Sarah there in the centre as they hook in. Just Storm, Jaden, Tom down the outside. Love you, Lucy. No luck for her. Red Chase close to the fence there, strung right across the track. Jaden, Tom sprouting wings down the outside. Master Jamie's boxing on. Red Chase getting through, but it's Jade. Jaden Tom winning the Wheatwood, beating Red Chase and Bandapur. Followed then by it's either Master Jamie or Fiery Heights with a snitch. Close up, love you, Lucy. Boom, Sarah. Followed then by Bergerac. Well back in the field, Tycoon Ace, Just Storm in his stride. Mr. Marbaloos and the Odyssey whipped them in and the Wheatwood won 11 42. We always talk about uh, how stables really want to win 
you know, black type races for a start, big money races. Mm. I think uh, when it comes to this stable in particular, you want to win your hometown feature. Yeah, well, uh, you want to win your hometown cup, but there's a lot of places where the sprint is actually a bit more of the feature. Yeah, it's such an iconic race up on, on the downs, isn't it? Um, I was shocked to hear there was his first runner in the race. Mm. He said post-race yesterday, Lindsay Hatch. So, um, perfect record. That's not bad. Yeah, yeah, one from one is a, is a nice way to do it. Uh, and uh, we're going to uh, see if we can grab Lindsay to, to have a chat about it, but even more so when uh, it's named after the family. Uh, after the the kids and 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 raced by the wife, it's it's just something very special about yeah, it, isn't it? He said for some time that he thought she was the right horse to to win a wheat. What I know when she won there at Doom, but in in June he, he put it on on the table at that at that that particular day, saying that um, wants to work towards the the wheatwood and he's been able to pull it up pretty much first off. Lindsay Hatch is with us on past the post this morning. Good morning, Lindsay. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, Nathan here, Lindsay. I understand it was a good night there in Toowoomba last night. It was, Nathan. I didn't have to pay for a drink. The kids were delivering them to me at a pretty quick rate, so it was a good <laughs> night. <laughs> Must have been special to have the whole family there to see this this mayor win the race yesterday. Yeah, it was. Look, um, it's um, it's hard to win any race, let alone a wheat wood, especially when you set the horse for it and um, the family's heavily involved in her. And um, it was uh, it was a huge thrill. Um, what were you thinking in the run? She, she got into a lovely trailing spot, didn't she, given that she jumped sort of one from the outside? Well, that was our plan. Um, I, I spoke to Andrew on Thursday and um, we, we sort of planned to ride about a little bit quiet. I think she's more effective ridden quiet rather than up on the speed. Um, and he, he found a good spot. I was, I got a little bit excited coming to the corner because she travelled really well in the run, and he, mm. and he was sort of tracking into it nice. And when she got into clear, I know she's got a really good turn of foot, so I, I did get a little bit excited coming to the corner. It's been a big few months for you. You were able to, to win the Toowoomba Premiership, and now uh, just a couple of months later, win the the, the, the town's signature race. Yeah, um, we've worked really hard. I, I think we've been back from Melbourne about five, five or six years now, and uh, we put a good team together, good, good staff, and uh, progressively got nice horses in the stable, which helped. And um, look, we've worked very, very hard, and it's um, it's uh, great to have success like that. You mentioned Mary Lee Trevet uh, yesterday in in the post race interview. That Mary Lee bred the horse, is that right? Yeah, that's right. And she's been a good supporter of the stable for a long time. So, um, yeah, she gave us the horse to train and uh, my wife leased us. So it's been great. So when's the lease run out? Uh, I think next month it's gonna, we're going to go go uh, to the breeding season next year. We'll probably sell her next year right. um, in the June. So mares, broodmares sale. So that still gives you um, another six or seven months to try and win another few feature now? Yeah, that's right. Look, look. Um, she was stakes placed going into yesterday, and now she's won a stakes race, so it's um, it's uh, pretty good. We've seen this meeting moved around a lot over, you know, the, particularly the last few years. Lindsay, how did you think it it stacked up yesterday in its new time slot there in September? Oh, I think it was um, the club did a pretty good job. It was uh, it was a good week. Um, uh, and I thought, uh, thought it went pretty good. It's a shame uh, that COVID didn't help, but look, I think uh, overall it was a very, very good meeting. Especially for you. 
Hundred percent, yes, was <laughs> very good. So, will she she race on now in terms of this preparation? Is there anything else for her in in, in coming weeks? Look, I um after a last run, she jarred up at Eagle Farm. Uh, she's had feet trouble. I sent her to uh, we give her ten days off, and then she had a couple of weeks on a water walker. But I, I had to wind her right up. I could say it was a big ass uh, first up over twelve hundred in Toowoomba because it is a hard twelve hundred. So. I did screw her right down for this race, so I'll probably, um, I, I might give her 10 days off now and, and freshen her right up and start again. Lindsay, well, everything pretty much went to plan, and it's always wonderful when you do put a plan out like this. This is the race you target, and this is uh, all coming together. But I guess the one piece of the puzzle that didn't quite fall into place was uh, she didn't have Brad Stewart's weight. <laughs> no, no. Um, Brad's uh, rider from day one. I think he won a maiden on her in Toowoomba and he's rode her whenever, uh, whenever she's uh, had his weight. Uh, it was unfortunate, but that, that's the way it goes. But look, um, I got to know Andrew when we were in Melbourne. Uh, he's a terrific bloke and uh, he uh, hit me up a, oh, six, or, six or eight months ago to give him a ride and I sort of never had the opportunity. And then COVID come in and uh, he was only too happy to come to Toowoomba and we've sort of uh, struck up a pretty good uh, relationship. He definitely your new best mate, I'm sure, after Jaden Tom's win yesterday. Yeah, but in saying that, Brad Stewart's always been my first first choice jockey. Uh, terrific bloke, Brad, and a uh, great rider. But um, you know he's got weight problems, and it's hard to get him get the horses of the right weight. Lindsay, congratulations again. Thanks for joining us this morning on Past the Post. That's a pleasure anytime. Lindsay Hatch joining us after Jaden Tom took out the Wheatwood yesterday. And in the uh, Tab Toowoomba Cup, it was back-to-back cup wins in that particular race for the Chris Wallace stable. The cup field negotiates the 420. Factory Warrior up on the outside. A free fly to go toe-to-toe. Alwood's two links away in third and being driven with a whip. Followed then by Fighting Tio. It's next of all on the fence. And the others headed by Barefoot and Ruby Guru. They negotiate the 300. Free fly two in front. Factory Warrior the outside a half a length away and here's Alwood coming at the pair with the fresh legs down the outside free fly two Alwood pair off Alwood up on the outside free fly two kicks back but oh it's a photo in the cup Alwood the outside has put a bob in right on the peg free fly two don't discount it Bayesian gold maybe third when we got to them not sure a reckless choice, lunge late, followed then by Fighting T.O. Ruby Only heads and noses in it when they got to the end of the Tab Toowoomba Cup yesterday, Nathan, and Alwood giving uh, the Chris Wallace stable back-to-back Toowoomba Cups uh, with uh, Luke Dippman in the saddle there yesterday beating Free Fly 2 and Factory Warrior. Yeah, he just got the perfect run, Alwood, yesterday after having no luck at all his previous run, and um, the market certainly found him. He went up around $10 last mid- midweek last week and um, very well-backed... Um, they, they got that one spot on. You asked Lindsay Hatch the question, but I guess the same question for you. Where do you think, or how did you feel about uh, the Weebwood program yesterday uh, in its well, new slot the, here? Well, I thought the, the, the meeting stacked up strongly. I thought it was a cup with good depth. I thought it was a really, really good Weebwood, and I thought the support races um, looked strong. There was others I spoke to who felt that it was a bit thin. Um, that's possibly in line with some of the racing we've seen in Metro Queensland in recent weeks where yeah, numbers have been thin on the ground, but... I think if you look at recent Toowoomba Cups, take out that, that winner of Gay Waterhouses, which then won the, when it won the Doom and Cup at its next start, um, I think 
yesterday's race stacks up against the ones we've had in, in recent times. COVID uh, restrictions aside, I quite like the uh, the focus or putting it on this time of year when the focus in Toowoomba is for the Garden City with the Carnival of Flowers. Well, that's clearly the, the idea around it and with, with people there and then and build this up. So it's only the first year, but... You know, they need to stick solid with it now. It's just it's been a bouncing ball for so long. What, yeah. What's happened with this meeting and um, put it in this spot now and stick with it and back it and um, and, and make it work again. Yeah, I, th- I agree. I, I think that's a, a wonderful time slot for it when you can then tie it into some of the local promotions uh, and get involved there. It becomes a real event and a destination for people. Yeah, it is. And anyone who's been to a Wheatwood meeting will tell you it's a it's a great day out at the races. Mm, very much so. A great day out at the races uh, for uh, quite a few yesterday, I'm sure, with uh, hopefully plenty of winners for everyone. You know, they're on again next Saturday with more <laughs> Group 1 features. Yes. Uh, personally, I need them to, to wind next Saturday around quickly and put, put uh, yesterday uh, behind me. But I'm um, not sure what the only one. I think the, the Sydney, the finish to Sydney there was a, a rough one for punters, wasn't it? I think Rothfire went under, then Hort Brown Her, and then Mask Crusader in the mm. in the last. But... Um, Russian Camelot, I think, was a, a nasty result for bookies. What a day uh, next Saturday at Royal Ramwick. The uh, the Tab Epsom, the Group 1 Metropolitan, the Group 1 Darley Flight Stakes, the Group 2 Premier, the Group 2 Hill Stakes, the Group 3 Breeders Plate, the Group 3 Gym Crack Stakes. There's a couple of other races on the program. It's a well. funny one, Epsom Day now. Like, you used to, it was the finale for the Sydney Spring, then everything would shift to Melbourne. Now it's sort of almost just a midpoint. And I would argue that the Premier Stakes, a Group 2 race, is now possibly the biggest focus point on on Epsom Day because mm. of uh, how many Everest contenders run in it. Very very much so, as we were saying before. It uh, really could have a, a bearing on some of the slot well, holders the, that are remaining. The, certainly the two favourites, I think, are, are heading there, Nature Strip and um, Classic Legend. And as far as Melbourne is concerned, as we've touched on, uh, the Tab Turnbull Stakes, but uh, also the Paris Lane, the Gilgai, the Edward Manifold, the Superimposed, the uh, the Bart Cummings, the Rose of Kingston Stakes. Uh, plenty of great racing coming on next weekend at Flemington as well. Very much so. Another great week behind us, but another great week ahead of us. Thank you for uh, joining us this morning, and uh, we will look forward to catching up again soon. My pleasure, Tony. Thanks, Nathan. Nathan Exby from the Courier Mail and Sunday Mail, wrapping up past the post for another week. Thank you for joining us this morning for this Sunday, 27th of September.